true confessions. This is the big deal. I am not the Christ. I am not the Christ. There's no misapprehension on John's part about who he is. He has no Messiah complex. Right? He, he's not the Savior. He's not the chosen one. See, uh, Christ is actually um, a nice... It's the Greek word for anoint. Messiah is the anglicized version of the Hebrew word to anoint. And it's a special choosing. They would anoint kings. You know, Samuel would anoint uh, the king. Didn't he choose David the king? Yeah. That's, uh, so David was the Messiah. Uh, he was a Messiah and anointed one. Okay. But the, the, the Messiah in uh, the Hebrew text is the chosen one of God, the one we're all waiting for. The one who will be the deliverer. Are you that one? And he says, no, no, I am not the chosen one. Uh, avoid the temptation of thinking too highly of yourself. Avoid the temptation of thinking too highly of yourself. This is a great Christian tradition. And, you know, if you're sensitive to this, God will give you plenty of reminders. Okay, <laughs> let's ramp up our sensitivity to the reminders like you'll release the kids four minutes before you're supposed to <laughs> and you'll feel really silly <laughs> and that's a good thing <laughs> to not to do this every week but every once in a while to just have your pride checked. <laughs> uh, the holy word of God, Paul, Paul was great at this, you know, Paul, Paul would run around and say, hey, Christ died for sinners, by the way, I'm the worst sinner. You know, uh, that was his confession. It's in First Timothy. But here's uh, Romans 12.3, again, from the writings of Paul. He says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. So John the Baptist has his head uh, screwed on properly. I am not the Christ. I'm avoiding the temptation to think more highly of myself. I, I'm not believing in myself. This is a wonderful Christian message. What is the gospel? Don't believe in yourself. <laughs> Don't listen to Disney. <laughs> Disney's leading you in the wrong direction. You're not the Savior. Uh, the greatest love of all is not learning how to love yourself. The greatest love of all is learning to humble yourself before God and love Him. Who's, who's worthy? Only Him. He's worthy of our worship. He's worthy of our trust. Um, so we, we have confidence in Him. And this will be the theme of John's life. He, he would say at one point, right, He must increase, but I must decrease. Don't believe in yourself. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. This is a great contrast with Christ himself, by the way. When somebody came up to him and said, who are you? Uh, it's the same exact word, who are you, words in John 8, 25. So they said to him, who are you? Jesus said to him, 
just what I have been telling you from the beginning. And here in uh, Matthew 16, 16, Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, if Jesus was not the Christ, you see, he should have said, No, 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 no. I'm not the Christ. Don't worship me. But he, he, he received their worship. One of the most strategic points in, in uh, the life and history of Jesus was after the resurrection. Thomas doubted him, right? He said, unless I can see him and put my hand in the wound in his side, um, I won't believe in him. And then, then Jesus appeared to him. And he comes to him and he bows down. And he says, my Lord and my God, to Jesus. And Jesus, if he wasn't the Lord and God, this is blasphemy. But he is the Lord. He is the Christ. So there's a great contrast here between John the Baptist and Jesus Christ himself. Jesus is the Christ. He is the Messiah. True confessions more on this. And then he says, I'm not Elijah. Now, this is really interesting. Now, what is this Elijah business? Well, if you turn in your Bible to the, you, you know, you, the New Testament starts with Matthew. And if you go one book before it, it's the very last book in the Old Testament. And you've just flipped that one page represents 400 years of silence between the Testaments. But you go into Malachi you get this, this interesting prophecy right before uh, the end of the book of Malachi. Chapter 4, verse 5. It says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. So that's the last words of the Old Testament. Elijah's coming, and he's going to call people to repentance. He's going to call people to turn their hearts back to where they should be, the hearts of fathers to their children. You know, is that a message we need today? You know, how many fathers abandon their children? Eh? It's a huge societal issue. Horrible problem. Uh, this is the basic level of repentance that Elijah would bring hearts of the fathers to the children and hearts of the children to their fathers unless they come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. So they have that echoing in their ears and here's this guy John out in the wilderness doing all this repentance teaching. Turn back to God. Turn back to God. Come and show your sincerity by being baptized. You want a total change. And he's getting huge popularity. And they say, are you Elijah? Now, the interesting thing is, he says no. But strangely, he was Elijah, if you will. <laughs> and this is what, what I say to that. This is from um, Jesus. Uh, to, I'm going to read a couple of references of what Jesus said later on. See, this is very, very early. Jesus hasn't come on the scene yet. Uh, later on, uh, like a year later, or even, even later, and, and some of this might be post-mortem from John's point of view. In other words, John's dead. But this is what uh, Jesus said in Mark 9. He says, and he asked him, 
why do the scribes say that first Elijah must come? And he said to them, Elijah does come first to restore all things. This is the word of Jesus. And how is it written that the Son of Man, and how is it written of the Son of Man that he should suffer many things and be treated with contempt? But I tell you that Elijah has come. And they did to him whatever they pleased as it is written of him. Okay, definitely post-mortem. Meaning they killed John, they cut his head off in a really disgusting scene of seduction and sensuality um, and really sad. They killed this 32-year-old guy, uh, John the Baptist. But Jesus says he was Elijah. He has come. And now how about Matthew 17, 11? He answered, Elijah does come, and he will restore all things. But I tell you that Elijah has already come. This is Jesus. And they did not recognize him, but did to him whatever they pleased. So also the Son of Man will certainly suffer at their hands. So what's the point of this? Isn't this interesting? He says, no. It's a very simple uh, word. Nope. Not Elijah. Not going there. You're not getting me there. No. But strangely, he was Elijah. So what do we take from this? Well, honestly, in one sense, it's fair to say that John was wrong. It records, the Bible's accurate. It records him totally accurately. But when he said, no, he's wrong okay well because jesus later on said he was elijah okay so where do we get from this it's kind of cool well guess what we do not need to know who we are <laughs> it's okay if we don't know exactly who we are he's not waiting around for self-discovery and then i'll start doing what god called me to do he's not going to go around and take a hundred tests on my spiritual gifts then I'll decide what God wants me to do. You know, when, you know, Pastor, when I decide what my gift is, then I'll, uh, I'll start serving the Lord. <laughs> I'm still trying to discover myself. Who, who am I, after all? Who cares who you are? Right? Just get to work. Do what God has called you to do. Who you are doesn't really matter. Let God tell you who you are later on. <laughs> He's going to, wow, I was Elijah? That was really cool. <laughs> I thought I wasn't. He, and he's not the literal Elijah, right? There, I, I, I think it's fair to say they're, they're well, okay, I'm not going to say that. I don't know. Maybe literal Elijah will come back someday. I don't know. He did come back on the Mount of Transfiguration. Then maybe he'll come on in the last time before the Messiah comes, I'm certainly not going to tell God he can't do that. But in this case, he's not the literal uh, uh, Elijah. So John's right on that count. But he is a metaphorical Elijah. And I think that's kind of cool. It's okay if we haven't exactly discovered who we are. And that's no excuse to not do what God has put before you to do because I'm not trying to insult you, but it really doesn't matter who you are, okay? What matters is, who is Christ? <laughs> you know, that's what really matters. Maintain our humility. You know, it's kind of tempting when somebody comes up to you, well, oh, 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 
are you Elijah? <laughs> it's just better to say no. <laughs> you know, I don't want that pedestal. <laughs> no, thank you, please. So, the, the, the third one here in, in True Confessions, are you the prophet? What's going on here? This is kind of interesting because this goes back to a prophecy by Moses. It's an early prophecy by Moses. It's in, recorded in Deuteronomy 18, 15. He says this, The Lord, that's Yahweh, your God, will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. There's a very human aspect to that. Jesus is Jewish. He's a, he's a brother. God will raise up this prophet from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen. You've heard me say it a few times, he who has ears, let him hear. And uh, I just love that. Uh, Jesus said that, I think about, uh, it's recorded like three times in, in the book of Matthew. And I know I have a lot of linguists here, so it's okay if I use Greek once in a while. Uh, and the Greek phrase there is ha ekon ota. Ha ekon means the, the one having echo, ota ears, ota ears. The one having ears, and then the, the verb is akuato, acoustics, right? Akuato. And what was cool about this is I looked at it and found out that akuato is a, an imperative. It's a command. It's the problem with these sorts of commands, when we translate them to English, is we say, he who has ears, let him hear. Like, if you have the opportunity, if you have a possibility, you know, please, you might want to listen. And that's not it. That's not the sense of it. The sense of it is, if you have ears, listen! <laughs> you know? And that's what Jesus Christ, the prophet, deserves. This is what Moses said to, it is to him you shall listen. And what's cool about this in the context of Deuteronomy 18, he's just said, don't listen to witches and necromancers and false teachers. Don't listen to them. You listen to the prophet. You listen to the one who gives the truth. And, and there's an aspect to this because there's always this miracle underneath uh, is that none of us can ever hear God unless God does a miracle first and regenerates us so that we can hear the word of God. Um, you, you can't even see the kingdom of God unless you're born again, you let alone hear it. You just can't hear it. And so this is a command to those who've been given the gift of hearing. He says, listen utilize it. It's, yes, it's even possible for believers who've been given the gift of faith to ignore the word of God, to ignore the prophet, to, to act like it doesn't matter. The command is there. Listen to him. And, and so, uh, no, John's not the prophet. Jesus Christ is the prophet. This is a messianic title, but it's also a subtle pride initiator, I think, for John as well. It's a little temptation. It's almost like the temptation of the devil coming out to him. 
Aren't you the prophet? <laughs> Aren't you Elijah? Maybe you're the Christ. We think you're pretty good. <laughs> you know, listen to your press reports. Look how many people are following you, John. <laughs> you know, and he's, he's, he's got it right. No, no, and no. <laughs> Threefold no, that's not me. True confessions. Let's look at the true fidelity of John in this text. True fidelity. They keep at him, you know, who are you? Uh, verse 22, who are you? We, we, we need to give an answer to those who sent us. You know, we can't go back empty-handed. Who are you? Uh, don't you love that last question? What do you say about yourself? Come on, and enter you. How do you feel? John, give us a self-evaluation. <laughs> Focus on you for a while, John, you know? It's time to set some time aside to think about you. How are you doing, John? <laughs> Don't you get it? I mean, I think it's kind of funny. <laughs> he won't go there, but listen to what he says. Well, you know what I am? I am a voice. He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Uh, I truly, in, with high fidelity, I'm crying out, howling over the desert winds in a dry and barren place. I speak God's truth. What do I say? I say, make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Isaiah was talking about the restoration of Israel from Babylon. We're going to make a highway through the desert, and they're going to come back. And here the Holy Spirit says, you know, that's a reference to the Messiah. We're going to prepare the way for the Messiah to come. We're going to go out into that desert and flatten the hills, make it straight and wonderful for the Messiah to come. And John says, I am that voice. It's a wonderful prophetic connection with the prophecy about the Messiah. And I know I've said this several times, but I think it's so exciting. He's quoting from Isaiah, obviously. And, and he says, I am the voice crying out in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord. And in the Hebrew text, that's the name for God, Yahweh. It's a direct deity assertion about Jesus Christ. You see, He is Yahweh. I, I, forgive me, but I'm a Jehovah's Witness. <laughs> I am witnessing for Yahweh. Jehovah is Jesus Christ, the true witness. Just like John, I'm here as a representative of the true God. Jesus Christ is fully God. Yes, he's a man, but he's fully God. And that's what this is saying. I, and I'm a voice with true fidelity saying this in a place that's barren, that needs to hear it. We are a voice in a barren place crying out. We love diversity. <laughs> we want to be truthful. That's diversity. We're going to speak the truth of God in a place that needs to hear it. How diverse is it in the howling winds of the desert to have a human voice speaking about the truth, speaking the truth 
about the one who made the desert. <laughs> That's what John's doing. That's you and I. That's you, you and your job. You're called to be that howling voice. Maybe it doesn't howl too loud. <laughs> but you're in a barren place. You might be the only one who believes this. Just like John out there with true fidelity crying out, we proclaim the great truth. We are representing the truth of God. We don't create it. We don't make it. I'm not the source of truth. I'm representing God's truth. We're, we're understanding the truth from the Scripture. We exegete it. We bring it out of the Scripture. We don't bring it in. We bring out what's here. We proclaim the great truth. What is the truth? The Lord is coming. <laughs> Prepare the way for the Lord. Prepare the way for Yahweh. For John, that meant Jesus is coming. And for us, it means the, Jesus is coming. He's still coming. How do you prepare? You repent of your sin. You turn away from rebelling against him. He who has ears, hear, listen. How exposed are we to, to his speech? Oh. True fidelity, the Lord is coming how important is it to get it right? John had a high degree of commitment to getting the truth right, to listen to the word and speak the word with true fidelity. I'm just a voice out in the wilderness. And then finally, after true fidelity, I find true self worth true self-worth he, he has willed his tr truth to triumph through us uh, that's exciting it, it makes us much more noble than we're, we naturally are we're, we're but dirt and we can represent the creator and the redeemer accurately but listen to uh, how he says this here in verse 24 and following now, they had been sent from the Pharisees. Again, John, the authors, including that note. Yeah, yeah. Nemesis, watch these guys. They're going to be a problem. The nitpickers. They said to him, well, you know, look at, look at their re response to this. It's like, wait a minute, what? You're saying you're preparing the way for the Messiah, for the Lord? Tell us more about that. <laughs> no, they don't want to know about that. They want to change the subject. They want to move on to something else. Well, then why are you baptizing? <laughs> why are you doing that? Why, why are you doing it that way? They actually said it that way. It was really whiny, <laughs> nasally, kind of obnoxious. <laughs> then, then why are you baptizing if you are neither the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? There's huge false assumptions there, right? Okay, so Christ, Elijah, and prophet are the only ones that can baptize? Where does it say that? You know, just all kinds of stuff you could unpack in their question. But gloriously, and listen to this, gloriously, John essentially dismisses their question. You don't have to answer all their questions thoroughly. Don't even be distracted by their questions sometimes. You know, bounce off of it. Uh, but you don't have to enter into all the minutia of, of where they're coming from. Because a lot of times their motivation is not really to find out information. 
I, I, I think this is accurate. I, I stand behind it. Their motivation was really not to find out information, as, as we'll see here in a moment, as John is given the, in, the insight from the Holy Spirit. So he kind of says this, verse 26. I'm going to re reverse it. He doesn't kind of say it, okay? He says this. <laughs> John answered them, I baptize with water. It's like, poof, yeah, I baptize with water. But you know the real point? But among you, and, and the, it's very blunt in the original language, just in your midst stands one you do not know. Right? In our midst stands the mighty one, and you don't know him. You're all distracted with this other stuff, and standing right there is one you do not know. What we do is external. Let's see. There we go. What, what we do is external and ineffective. Here, I'm standing up here trying to keep your attention, uh, trying, to, trying to teach the Word of God accurately, you know, using English. Um, to, trying to do the best job I can. That's, that's my attempt. I know it sounds a little sick, but every time I come to the pulpit, I want to do the best possible job I can. And I'm always disappointed. <laughs> 30 years of doing this, and I always say, well, Lord, that was the best I had for today, right? But, but the, here's the wonderful truth. Everything we do is external and ineffective. You know, I might as well try to save you by dipping water on your forehead. What? No, no. You can't wash away somebody's sin by putting H2O on their body. It's not going to do anything. It might, well, it might clean them up a little bit. You know? But it, it, it's ineffective. It's, it's completely external. I baptize with water. It's really nothing. That's not the true power. The true power is right here. Jesus Christ is omnipresent. And for them, in your midst, and the, I, you've heard me use this verb before, uh, to stand in this is, is staken. Remember I said stand firm in the Greek is stakena. Put a stake in it. Stand still. And that's what this is. In, in the midst of you, Mesos, like on the mezzanine, right in the middle. Mesos of you stands as staken, one you do not know. Get to know him. Get, that's what he's saying. Pay attention. Be aware of your environment. Yeah, I want us to be environmentally sensitive. That's what I'm preaching about here. Get to know your environment. By the way, your environment is God. <laughs> you live and move and have your being in God. Let's, let's respect our environment. <laughs> let's get to know our environment. I, I hope you understand. I'm using this all metaphorically. I mean, I like the, you know, recycling cans too. Uh, that's a good idea. <laughs> it's good for the bottle and good for the can, you know. <laughs> I'm all for that. But that is so trivial. <laughs> that is so external and ineffective when the real environment is God. You know, you recycle a can and commit adultery. Hey, that doesn't work. You've, you have vile, you've polluted the environment. You've, you've sinned against the environment. 
You know, let's be environmentally sensitive. Let's start a whole new green movement of where do we live? Who's there? Who's there? He says, right in your midst stands one. And we should, we should pray, oh, Holy Spirit, let us not be the ones who do not know him. That should be the prayer of our heart. Let us know him. We were talking about a, a Christian artist named John Fisher, <laughs> and he uh, wrote a song. Uh, it says, have you seen Christ Jesus, my Lord? He's standing right here in our midst. And it's, it's just a little ditty song that he, he wrote, a really nice song. It's just reminding us that Jesus Christ is here in our midst. That's why we worship. And we don't worship so that we can see each other. We're here to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. Beautiful. Here's second, excuse me, 1 Corinthians 12, 3. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. You know, as the, as the Pharisees would say, right? In a few years, accursed be Jesus. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Finally, we are not worthy to serve him, but, but he commands us. You know, this, this is wonderful. Why? That's the way he wants to do it. He wants to work through John. He's the infinite creator, God. And then he says, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. <laughs> He's a voice howling in the desert in a barren place. He's the witness let us stand firm and serve him. Look what, again, John is very famous, what he said here. I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know. Even he who comes after me, and here's this great humility, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. You know, the slaves would do that. They would untie their master's sandals, dirty, stinky sandals. And John's got his head on straight. I'm not even worthy of that. I'm not even worthy to come close to him. That's who Jesus is. That's to prepare the way for the Lord of the universe. Let's pray. Oh, Father, in your kindness, give us ears. And through your spirit, we pray for the obedience to your commands to listen and your commands to be a witness for you, Lord, in the, in the desert place where you have called us. May we be as wise as serpents and as gentle as doves. May we serve you and speak your truth. We, we can look at it and say, well, it's, it's, it's ineffective and, and external, but you work through. You've decided to work through these means of grace, the proclamation of your truth, the worship of you through prayer. You work through our prayers. You hear our prayers. And in your sovereign plan, you work through our prayers. Lord, so please move us to pray for each other, for the lost, for our family. Lord, we give this to you and ask you for strength to obey. Amen.